Welcome to Courageous Wellness. My name is Erica Stein. And I'm Allie French. And this is a podcast about individual journeys toward wellness and how to navigate it all. After Allie experienced a cancer diagnosis in her 20s, and Erica went through a sustained 50-pound weight loss and self-love journey, we created a platform to interview real people from all walks of life that have combined all types of practices. From physical wellness to emotional and spiritual, we hear courageous stories and focus on why it's important to share them. We are both certified integrative nutrition health coaches, and together with our community, we are learning to live our most courageous lives by sharing one courageous story at a time. It takes courage to share these journeys, and by talking about them, we aim to destigmatize the process. We want you to be your own health advocate, feel educated and informed on the latest in health and wellness, and empower you to feel your absolute best. Join us as we in our community share our courageous wellness. Today on the show, we welcome guest Jakari Harris. Jakari is an author, entrepreneur, life coach, business owner, and inspirational speaker. He entered the foster care system at an early age and was blessed to be adopted soon after. Jakari's story is proof that tragedies can position a person for a purposeful life. His devoted service to foster youth and adoptive individuals has led him to better serve the foster and adoptive community through creating a nonprofit organization called Families for All, Inc. This group offers advocacy for change, informing, connecting, and promoting the need for finding loving and committed families for fostering and or adopting youth. In addition to running a nonprofit, Jakari has an extensive educational background that includes an internship with National Civil Rights Attorney Benjamin L. Crump Esquire, a bachelor's in business administration from Bethune-Cookman University, and his MBA from Florida International University. He also interned with California U.S. Senator Kamala Harris, and maybe when this episode airs, Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. Jakari shares his personal story with us today and how his life obstacles have informed his purposeful and value-driven work and inspired his first book, Lost and Found. Jakari has created and contributed so much in his 24 years, and we are very excited to see what is next for him. We had a great time and a lot of fun chatting together and hope you are as inspired by this conversation as we were. Enjoy the episode. This episode is sponsored by Milk and Honey. Guys, I am so excited to share our new sponsor, Milk and Honey, with you because I have been using their baking soda-free deodorant exclusively for over two years. This gentle, aluminum-free, baking soda-free deodorant was designed to nourish sensitive skin while keeping you feeling and smelling fresh all day long. When I decided that I wanted to make the switch to a clean, aluminum-free deodorant, I tried so many different brands, and each and every time I was plagued with those red, itchy bumps under my arm on top of not feeling confident whatsoever that I did not smell. Milk and Honey not only never once gave me those pesky little red bumps, but also passed the smell test, even after some of LA's toughest workout classes. This is my ride or die deodorant, and we are so excited to partner with them. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective, and safe bath, body, and skincare products made in small batches in Austin, Texas. They source ingredients as hyper clean as possible, which means both choosing organic and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe ingredients. 
Milk and Honey is a female-founded and funded brand. And in addition to clean deodorant, they also carry non-toxic bath, body, and skincare products like hydration creams, cleansers, soaps, body polish, and lots more that will make you feel nourished inside and out. If you want to try Milk and Honey, you can receive 15% off your order by visiting milkandhoney.com and using the code CWPODCAST, one word, at checkout. You can also find the direct link in our show notes. Today's episode is brought to you by Ned. Ned produces the highest quality full-spectrum CBD from organic hemp plants sourced entirely from an independent farm in Colorado. Erica and I discovered Ned when co-founder Adrian Zimmerman was a guest on our show. We were both really impressed with the products after trying them. One of the things that really stood out to both of us was the transparency of the brand. Ned actually shares third-party lab results, who their farmers are, and details of the extraction process directly with their consumers. We strive to be informed consumers, and Ned makes the process really accessible. I have become a dedicated user of Ned products and have been able to replace my monthly use of ibuprofen to manage period discomfort with Ned's Natural Cycles collection of salves, tinctures, and roll-ons. This collection is slow crafted with love from an extraordinary group of women and provides a more holistic anti-inflammatory and natural pain relief option. So Erica, what's your favorite? My favorite Ned product is definitely their full spectrum hemp oil. And I personally use the 750 milligram tincture. When I consistently take it, I notice a huge difference in my anxiety, sleep, and general mood. In addition to the tincture, I also really love applying the hemp-infused body butter to my neck and shoulders before bed. It helps me relax, soothes aches and pains, and allows me to wind down at the end of the day. Ned is also now offering an immunity blend tincture that we are consistently taking. This blend naturally supports our immune system and combines botanicals, herbs, and fungi to offer functional immune support. 100% of profits are also donated to EcoHealth Alliance to support their fight against pandemics and promotion of conservation. If you want to check out Ned and try their products and their CBD for yourself, we have a special offer for the Courageous Wellness audience. Go to www.helloned.com slash CWpodcast. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash CWpodcast to get 15% off your first order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. We know you're going to love it. You can also find the direct link in our show notes and check out all of their wellness products. Thank you so much for joining us today, Jakari. Of course. Thank you so much. I'm excited. Yeah, Eric and I have been really looking forward to interviewing you. So um, just to get started, can you tell us a little bit about your personal background and then sort of how it's taken you um, into the work that you currently do? Of course. Well, my name is Jakari Harris, born and raised a native of Tallahassee, Florida. I was in foster care and was adopted um, at the age of two. And just growing up, um, not really understanding what exactly happened to my biological family. Um, my biological mom was in and out of the jail. She was a um, substance abuse addict. Um, I met my father on my 14th birthday, and he was in the intensive care unit on his deathbed. So that just took a toll on me. And just, you know, get, being mad and upset and afraid to come out of the shell and just being angry with people because I did not understand what happened. And, you know, why do I have a total of 23 brothers and sisters? 
and I have not met majority of them until I was 16. Yeah. Um, so the courses like that really just, you know, had me feeling like I was not valued or my life um, did not mean much to people. Um, but I got a new sense um, when I got to high school and realized that I am valuable. I am worth it. Um, I am someone who will be powerful. I'm great. Um, so I got myself in shape and um, stopped and stopped, you know, getting suspended from school. So I'm getting kicked. I got kicked out of two schools. Can y'all believe I got kicked out of two schools? <laughs> it's just, it's just, you know, life throws, you know, curveballs and just being upset and, you know, hearing my mom, my biological mom calling, you know, middle of night, two, three o'clock in the morning because my adoptive mom tried to keep that open relationship up uh, with my biological mom and she kept abusing it, calling the house two or three o'clock in the morning, drinking on drugs and just promising that she'll take me back, knowing that me thinking it could happen, but now knowing that it could have never happened. Um, but, you know, I've been able to, you know, grow up and just change my whole life um, to be a better person, to be strong, courageous, uh, better mentally, emotionally, sexually, spiritually. Um, and, you know, now I have a nonprofit, Families for All. Um, you know, I work uh, with the George Floyd Memorial Foundation. I have a book, uh, Lost and Found, Finding Success in the Search for Self. Um, and we became a bestseller on Amazon. So I am just excited and glad to be here today interviewing with you all. Thank you so much for sharing, you know, that part of your journey. And it's so unbelievably inspiring and truly, truly incredible. What do you think was that shift, right? That went from, you know, Ali and I both practice Buddhism and there's a phrase that we talk a lot about called like poison into medicine, right? Like you took this poison and turned it right. into medicine or now it's like, clearly you're, you're helping so many people, but what was that shift like for you when you noticed? That, that shift for me was when I was in 10th grade in high school, um, my guidance counselor informed me. Uh, she said, hey, I did some research. Did you know you were held back in the first grade? I didn't know. My adoptive mom held me back, and I never knew. So when I found that out, I was like, wow, like, these people don't think I'm wise, I'm smart, they think I'm dumb. So I decided to, I was like, you know what, I want to prove to people that I am not dumb, that I, I am smart, that I am knowledgeable, that I will be some, something in life. So I decided to graduate high school in three years instead of four, which is essentially on time. So, you know, I was working full-time at McDonald's as a high schooler, 40 hours a week. I had a 1996 Toyota Corolla doing six courses in class, 13 courses online, because I was determined. Um, and I was able to graduate in three years, and no one thought it could have happened. But when they realized that I completed all the necessary requirements to graduate, they said, there is nothing that you can't be. Uh, so from there, that just really just had me going fast and just say, hey, this is what I want to do. This is how I'm going to do it. I don't accept no's. Either I'm going to get a yes or I'm compromised. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. I'm like, how did you, I don't even know how there's enough time to work 40 hours a week and, and complete extra courses and graduate early. That's incredible. But, you know, it, it does make sense that once you sort of kind of do the impossible in your own life, then all everything else there's like nothing that's impossible though right. that sort of like that sort of belief system gets utterly crushed you know and that's right. that's i mean that's just really i i 
I can't imagine that, but especially at that age to have that kind of determination is really um, pretty remarkable. So you're, you're still quite a a young man and you created (laughs) this, you've created now like this nonprofit and you're an author, a best-selling author. And so clearly like there's going to be even more and more to come from you. But I'm curious, like when did you know then that your own journey and like the, the struggles that you had to go through as a child in the foster care system with the adoption process, um, when did you know that was going to be part of your work mission? Like when did you decide to apply that and say like, I have something that I like unique that I can offer through my own experience and now I'm going to turn it into something for other people? Wow, that is such an amazing question. Um, and I actually don't get that question often. I mean, that's that's very interesting that you asked because honestly, I did not think, I was so afraid to speak about foster care, me being adopted. I was afraid to speak about it with a lot of people. And I actually knew um, when I became the student body president at Bethune-Cookman University, my alma mater um, in Daytona Beach, Florida, um, I knew then when I was meeting other students on campus who I learned was in the foster care system, who was adopted, who was afraid to step out and to own their story. And I wasn't owning my story then because I didn't want people to see what I went through. But I realized the things that I went through is helping me today. And sometimes you have to you have to go through things to help somebody else get through as well. Yeah. So I said, you know, if all these other people have been in foster care, been adopted, you know, or have these other you know, life obstacles and they're scared to speak up about it. I want to be that person to speak up about it, to uh, encourage others to own their story, to own themselves and to speak up. Yeah. Your courage and vulnerability is so incredible. And I think, right, like it's so inspiring because so many people have such intense struggles, right? Similar struggles to you and different, right? But, but so many people struggle with such painful stuff. And I think it really is like having shame around it and not being able to talk about it. I think that makes it so much worse. Right. But it is so incredible because your courage to discuss it, it gives other people permission to stand in their light as well and to not be afraid of their own story. So can you talk to us a little bit about your book, Lost and Found? And tell us all about what's in it and how just Everything lost and found. <laughs> yeah, so lost and found, finding success in the search for self. It speaks about how you can rise from the losses of life and to begin anew. And it just talks about my journey being foster care, being adopted, and learning from mistakes, learning from going back 20 years ago to get the dockage from when you know I was first in foster care, learning that my mom then had a substance abuse issue back in the 1980s and seeing the process and the journey that she went through and why I am here today. So it's an inspirational story, uh, inspirational story overall, just speaking on the significance of foster care and adoption, how that played a vital role in my life and how I was able to uh, triumph beyond the obstacles um, and realize my my true self, realize my true identity, um, and realize that I am someone special and I can do anything I put my mind to. Um, so it really shows how it's, how it's possible uh, to overcome a rough beginning in life um, and to begin a new journey, to find mm-hmm. success and become an inspiration to others. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, you, the, 
the book is fairly new, newly yes. released, but you've had also this Families for All nonprofit. And so I think it's such an incredible resource now that you have the book because people it can like reach an even wider audience. But can you talk also and tell our, our listeners a little bit about the work you do with um, Families for All and then a little bit about your, your mission and your values? Because I was going through that on your website and it's, I, yeah, I think it's just really cool. And I have family too. Like my family has, um, I have four cousins who are adopted Two my only two first cousins on my dad's side and then two second cousins as well. So like, it's right. always been a very like talked about thing, but you know, there something that really stuck with me on the, on when I was learning more researching about families for all is that you provide resources for all different like whether you're a parent, whether you're a foster parent, whether you are someone who was adopted, whether you want to adopt, whatever that might be, whether you're a biological yes. relative, so that like you kind of approach it from many different angles. So I just love to hear a little bit more about that. Yes. Yeah, so, so the thought process behind you know, planning uh, Families for All, I said, you know, after getting all the dockets and realizing that, you know, my biological mom, she couldn't do the entire case plan because she's only one person. It's 24 hours in a day. Everything they want her to do, for me, reading it, it was like impossible. So I said, you know what, we need more resources for a biological parent who possibly can't get their children back or who can't get their children back because they are still human. They still have lives and they still need to be on a track to recovery and to save their lives. So that was that uh, component. And then, you know, foster youth, um, I went out to uh, UCLA in California and work with a, um, an amazing uh, movie producer, Peter Samuelson, uh, with his nonprofit, um, First Star. And they had like a Bruin Academy out in California and just in different areas across the United States. And I really realized, you know, working with the youth there and speaking to some of the parents, the foster and adoptive parents, they were saying how, you know, they, they didn't know about a lot of resources that I was speaking about uh, during my commencement ceremony speech to the youth, to, to the graduates. I mean, I said, wow, you know what? I need to you know, create type of another initiative with my nonprofit that will educate these uh, families on resources in their particular city or state. So even though, you know, I'm based out of, um, I was initially based out of Florida, but I'm in Texas now, we're able to connect these families who are in these different cities and states with organizations that can provide them the necessary information they need to know of all the resources. Wow. You know, I think it's so incredible what you are doing and what you've been able to overcome. And I think this year of 2020 has been so interesting, right? Because um, it's just been awful, you know, for so many different reasons, but um, right. Like more people than ever are out of work. People are losing their lives. 200,000 Americans have died of COVID. Like it's just, it's, it's a, it, it, our broken systems. It's a, it's a mess. It's just, yeah, it's just our, our, you know, and we have listeners all over the world. So, you know, if you're not in the United States, you know, um, I'm sure though it's, it's a global issue, but especially in our country, it's just, it's just unbelievable. Right. Um, it's, it's just unbelievable. So I think, right. Even if somebody is listening who might not have the same story as you, I think unlike any other year before, it's like everything has been ripped out, you know, that we could have maybe counted on, um, before 2020. So what I'm, you know, and, and to bring it back to your story, it's like, what tools are in your toolkit and what do you suggest people who just feel like they're at their rock bottom or they don't have hope or they don't know, like, 
how they're so, going to continue. Um, what do you suggest people do? So that's, that's an amazing question. And, you know, when I was writing my, uh, finishing up my book um, in February um, and March, and that's when COVID started happening and people, all these layoffs and uh, people are dying. I said, in March, I said, people are about to be lost in this world. Um, and I actually had coined this book, Lost and Found, last year. Um, and it's just so um, interesting. And I, you know, I, I like it in some pers- uh, in one way, the fact that, okay, yeah, I know people are lost. That's not a good thing. But how can they be found? Um, so, you know, I've been able to really share, you know, um, my story, but tips with people on how you can find yourself, uh, find, your, uh, find yourself in the midst of a pandemic. Because some people are, you know, angry. People are confused. People are worried. People are concerned about their future, about tomorrow, maybe, about the next hour. If they're going to have a, a meal, they're going to be able to have a job. So the first thing is that, you know, is to have some type of faith, you know, have faith. Uh, for me, the second, you know, have I have faith because, you know, I know, you know, the God that I serve and I know the work that I'm doing in my purpose and my mission. So every day I'm going to fight towards that. I'm not going to allow people to tell me no. I'm not going to allow an obstacle to overcome me or, you know, my situation. Um, I'm going to rise up. You know, I can fall 10 times, but I'm on the 11th, I'm going I'm I'm to rise. Um, so I think it's a mindset. Though people are in a midst of confusion, worry, concern, hurt, um, and some people told me they feel abused by this system, it's one of the things where you're in this predicament right now, but if you plan and prepare for what's about to come, I guarantee you what's about to come is bigger than what's been. Um, so I, I, I encourage people um, to plan and prepare. Um, and when they think of something negative, try to think of something positive because we, we have not always had that, these, this, a bad day. You know, there's been some good days. Um, and just some things for us, we, we have to start from somewhere. Yes, we're still in the middle, middle of a pandemic, but we cannot allow this pandemic uh, to dictate our future no longer. We've done that too many times. Right. So it's, it's a matter, it's, it's a start, start with your mind, start renewing, do, do self, um, self, uh, self-help, self-awareness type of thing. There's some seminars, there's some counseling, you can get counseling, some therapy, you know, massage, self-care, do those things that bring you back to the person that you are. Mm, I like that. Like whatever, you know, we talk a lot about different, you know, our different guests, self-care practices. I'm, get, I'm getting ahead of myself because we'll, we'll ask you at the end, but, um, but the idea of like, you know, everybody's might look different, but whatever your tools are that can bring you back to yourself, I think is really, I've never really heard it framed that way, but it, it makes a lot of sense. And I think that's like the core because it's like you remember what you're capable of. Um, remember, and, and you remember who you are and whose you are. Mm-hmm. Mm, I love that. Um, so I'm curious, you know, with, with the work that you do, um, can you talk to us a little bit about the foster care system and into, and, and, you know, just like into the adoptive process and what that might look like. I know because I don't know that like a lot of people really know some of the statistics too. And it's hard also when you're looking at statistics, because you have to remind yourself that every statistics is every statistic is a human being. Yeah. Um, And it just drastically. Yeah. And so, but one thing that really stuck with me when I was um, researching is that you said the average age is eight and a half. Is that correct? Yes. In foster care. Yes. So 
And I know as far as like my own knowledge about adoption is that sometimes it's hard to find adoptive families for older children. It is. And then they age out. Yeah. And so I'm curious about what that kind of looks like within this foster care to adoptive system. But then also you were saying aging out of foster care. What happens? Like, are there any resources? Because if, if you've never been adopted and you went through the foster care system, but then when you're 18, are you just like on your own then? I mean, what, you know, what that experience can be like for a lot of people, I think would be really interesting to learn about. Right. Um, you know, what, what I, and I want to start on this, this, this statistic, because when I was in high school, I was doing a little bit of research on a project uh, that I had for my economics course. And I remember it said one in four foster youth would not graduate with a high school diploma or a GED. Um, and it was even, it's like two and two and four for adoptive, uh, adoptive youth. So for me, you know, being in foster care, being a dog, I said, wow, someone has to come in and change the game to, to, um, impact these foster youth and say, Hey, we know we've been through a lot, uh, but we can overcome that. Uh, so with that, um, I've been able to really say, to really like dig deep into the issues to the roots. I've learned to get to the roots of the issues and say, how can we start from the root? Because we can, we can put band-aids over things all day long, but you have to get to the core of it to fix the issue. Um, so, you know, on any given day, you know, there are over 400,000 youth in the foster care system. Um, like we say, the average age is the eight and a half, um, you know, majority females at times. Um, but the biggest component that I want to speak on that's fine is the aging out. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because, you know, you know, when you turn 17, 16, 17, a lot of, you know, those foster youth don't have a home. I have no, have nowhere to call home. And a lot of foster parents don't want to adopt a child that's about to age out, that's about to go in this world. Um, one, because they say, hey, I have not been able to raise them. So they don't, they don't do what they want. They don't leave, do, do what they want to. Two, this is not my child, so I cannot tell the child what to do since their mind is made up. And then three, some foster parents and, you know, just parents want to be a part of the foster care system. They want to start at an infant or a toddler so they can say, hey, I've had this child. This is really my seed besides having a teenager who knows in their mindset what they're about to do in life. Um, So when they age out of the foster care system, a lot of the organizations they prepare them they have different courses and trainings prepare them for the real world and and tell them the options that's what you're supposed to tell them the options of hey you know we have another program that you can do until you're 22 23 to help you with life skills and work um or you can go to college because you get you know free tuition in the state university college system um so there are resources out there uh sometimes i don't well a lot of times i don't believe um, based on just meeting a lot of different foster youth who've aged out, they don't take the resources there because they already feel like people don't care for them or love them since no one brought them in. Um, so that's why I really um, am trying to help push that agenda forward for those children who are aging out of foster care. And even if they don't get adopted, but can they at least have some type of figure in their life that they can always go to talk to so they can feel love? Yeah. It's, it's heartbreaking, right, to think about feeling that way. Like you said, like even if there are, you know, college or these other programs, like, of course, like if you imagine, right, like feeling like you're all alone, 
it, it's just heartbreaking. And so like, like you were saying, what is your vision or what do you think, you know, cause even awareness, right? I think so many people don't even have this awareness about the intricacies of aging out in the foster care system. What is your vision for what you would like to see, you know, especially with these, these kids? Right. Overall, you know, um, I, I, my, my vision for this is, Hey, um, if you cannot adopt foster, if you cannot foster you know, um, be a mentor. If you cannot be a mentor or volunteer, if you cannot volunteer, educate. If you can't educate, donate. But I know that everyone can play some type of role in a foster youth or adoptive youth life because everyone can't be a parent. Everyone does not want to watch a child. Um, and everyone may not want someone else's child, which is, which is okay. But don't, don't, we cannot, we cannot go out there stating there's nothing I can do to help because anyone can do anything they put their mind to it. And that's why I say sometimes all you all sometimes you have to do is just pick up a phone, you know, to a, a treehouse I call or a group home with foster youth and just tell them, encourage them. Sometimes that's all they want some encouragement. It's just the simple things that will make an entire difference to a foster youth and adoptive youth life. And you know, if, if it was me, you know, if I was, you know, back in middle school or somewhere, I wish someone came to me and said, I love you, or it's going to be all right, I'm going to help you do this, or something to make me feel encouraged. Um, because I, I, I'm a believer now as growing up that I would have not done all the things that I did do to get in trouble, to get kicked out, call the police on my adoptive mom a hundred times. And even though she loved me, I, I didn't think she did, but hey, she did. Mm -hmm. um, so I just, you know, I, I really want people to know that you can do something, even if you don't think you can, you can get on Facebook and retweet or share some positive message because you don't never know who is affected by foster care adoption. I think that I love that. I'm going to, I'm going to like re-listen back to your, like, if you can't adopt foster, if you can't foster, whatever you yeah. have like this incredible <laughs> list. And I was like, yeah, there's something. And I think that's just sort of a good kind of mindset to have about everything yeah. like that it I think that's actually been a big wake up this year is that if not you if not you if not me if not whomever then who like there's who's a will, gonna do a it yeah, right if, if, yeah exactly like and it's not that everybody's like input or ability to change or help is good it's gonna be all different but it doesn't right. mean that you can't on some little level have an impact and right. in, in making change in whatever area that might be in um, right. and not always relying on other people to do that. Like, you know, taking Erica, we talk about this a lot, like taking the responsibility that we can take to step up in the ways that we can step up. Yeah. And it's going to well, be different. And, and even right, like we're a wellness focused podcast, but you can't have wellness if your collective is suffering, right? Like you can't yeah. have true wellness if the world is burning. And so yeah. these are our issues and they're important yeah. for every single person listening, no matter your age, no matter where you are, because we all live in this society together. And so it's just like, this is important for everyone. And yes, that list, like same, like I'm going <laughs> to, that's going to be quote. my new, our new mantra, like quote, because it's just true. And so 
you know, something else I'm so curious about as well is like you mentioned, right, your spirituality. And I think like Ali and I both believe like spirituality, you know, is so important no matter what it is for you or like what you're, but having some sort of connection, some sort of faith we do really believe is, is crucial. How did you cultivate that? Right. With everything that you went through, um, how did you find your faith in spiritual practice? You know, I, I found my faith in spiritual practice because my adoptive mom, she always kept my brother and I, who she adopted with me, in the church, you know, growing up. Um, they say I used to be a little preacher and just, you know, growing up in Easter plays and just staying active and involved in the church from, you know, till I was knee high all the way until I graduated high school. Um, so realizing then, um, that, you know, my relationship uh, with God is better than any relationship I've ever had. And I know the source of my health and my health and my strength is from the one above. Um, so just keeping that intact and getting, you know, and um, the undergraduate institution I went to, Bethune Cookman, um, you know, we had chapel service on Wednesday. So being able to stay embedded in the word and to pray, um, and to fast, whatever I need to do to be aligned spiritually is what I did. Um, and now I'm able to incorporate, you know, spiritual attention, you know, my daily, you know, walk in life because, you know, I want people um, to see the God that I serve in me uh, by my work and through my purpose. Uh, so every day I'm doing the best I can. I'm not perfect. No one is perfect. But, you know, if I fall down, if I make one, one mistake, think about me, I'm very transparent. I'll be honest. I made this mistake. I did this wrong. But this is how I'm going to fix it. And this is how you can help me. And this is how I can help you. And each day we're helping each other become better persons. Yeah, love that. It's interesting because we interview so many different types of people from all over, all over the world at this point. And it could, they could be, you know, it, it is a wellness focus, but Eric and I have a very broad umbrella of what we consider to be important in wellness, which obviously is community wellness and um just the greater good, the plan, whether it's like environmental wellness or if it's nutrition, you know, it doesn't, it's all a part of the conversation. Um, but one consistency that I've seen is that all of these really incredible, highly successful, and however you want to determine success, whether it's even just overcoming something that's been really challenging in their lives, is that they've had some sort of faith or spiritual practice. And they're all different, but they all have it. And that's been really, really eye-opening as a, like, as a form of a journalist, I guess we are with, with the podcast is like, we get to see and hear and talk to so many interesting people, but that is something that comes up very consistently. So it's, it's, it's all about getting back to the internal you because nobody knows the inside of you. Like, you know, yourself. Yeah. So that's why I'm the component of stay in your lane and just know your know where you're going because it's millions and billions of people in this world. Yeah. But if you remember who you are and don't stray away from your purpose and your calling and your vision and your goals and your mission, you will continue to be successful. Yeah. I was going to ask too, so you're, you've obviously done so much and you're so accomplished and you're such a great example of just right, like, overcoming adversity and living just like the most courageous life. What is your dream now, right? Like what's, (laughs) what is your dream and vision for your own life? And, and what do you, what do you see as what's next? Well, I'm actually, you know, you're going to be the first podcast I've shared this with. 
Um, because, you know, typically, you know, I, I just, you know, go off, try to, I guess, put it to the side. But it's okay because, you know, I, I want people to see and say, hey, he said this and he's doing it. Yeah. Um, so for me, you know, next is law school. I'm going to go to law school. Um, and I'm thinking more so of family um, and entertainment law because I have this idea um, of, you know, working you know, with Devon Franklin, with Tyler Perry, or someone out in Los Angeles, um, covering stories that are untold, that are unheard of, to speak about those topics that people are afraid to speak up about, but that's hurting them on the inside, yeah. and that will, that, that will awakening or ignite and fire in them to speak up and to own their story. Um, so that's, that's the goal. Um, and just go from there. So law school and then, you know, uh, doing my best to work with some great movie producers. And hey, you never know. I may be in a movie. You never know. Yeah. Yes. You heard we're it both, here first. Yes. And you told it to two Los Angelinos first. Yes. You know, we're both in L.A. Oh, and we yes, both I, have um, entertainment, entertainment. Back, yeah, backgrounds. That's our, our, that's our day job. <laughs> So. Well, look, well, look, look at here. We, we y'all may be my connection. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? We'll all work together again in some yeah. other yeah. visual medium. <laughs> so, well, that's exciting to hear for sure. Um. So, you know, we always ask all of our guests as we start to like wrap up our conversation a few questions. Okay. And so, the first one, which I sort of alluded to earlier, but is how um. How do you take care of yourself? You're a busy person. You're running a lot of different things. You wrote a book. It's a lot going on. Um, you, you may be going to law school at some point soon. So you juggle a lot. And what do you do? I mean, you shared with us about your faith, but what also on a daily basis and in a practical way do you do to take care of yourself? What does your self-care look like? So I'm a big friends and family oriented individual. So you know, when I when I make time for my family and friends, you know, I'm in Houston. A lot of my family is not here. But when I have a day, excuse me, when I have a day, I will fly out that morning, fly back um, in the next morning. Um, just spend a few hours with my family to eat, uh, to eat breakfast, to go out, to do something with my friends. Um, I love massages. I love to read. I love to go. Um, to Discovery Green here in Houston to ride the bike and just sit and eat some ice cream. So it's the simple things that make me happy. Um, and I love to sleep. Every time I get a chance, I'm, I'm able to sleep. <laughs> um, so I'm going to make sure, you know, I can sit on this couch for one minute and the next minute I'm asleep. Um, so <laughs> it's just one of the things where I, you know, I, I enjoy life. Um, and I just rem always remember that, hey, I'm going further. So what I'm doing now is only preparing me. So I'm going to continue to have that work-life balance and just move forward and enjoy life because I don't want to miss out on these life opportunities trying to so focus on my career because I'm, my career is going to be there. As long as I stay determined, it's going to be there. Yeah. Let me still enjoy life. I just turned 24. So let me still enjoy life. Wow. Uh, you, you are a young man. I didn't know you were only 24. <laughs> wow. wow. Well, Incredible. I'm like, you've lit a fire under me because I got a decade <laughs> on you. <laughs> I was like, I got to catch up. Got stuff to do. <laughs> no, but it's, it is. It's just so incredible because, you, again, 24 years old, it's just, I can't wait. You have two massive fans, and I'm sure all our courageous wellness listeners are now massive fans. But yeah, I just can't wait to see what the next ten years are going to hold for you. Um, but the next question that we always ask our guests is, "What does being courageous mean to you?" Ah, uh, so actually, um, I have a tattoo on me. 
Um, it's uh, be strong and be courageous. Um, the Lord that God is with you wherever you go. Um, being courageous and be, is being open-minded. Um, not knowing um, what's out there, but going um, with a mindset that whatever's out there is out there for you. If it's not for you, you know how to weave through it. Um, and just owning yourself, being bold, being strong, being determined. Um, and just knowing that you have everything inside of you to be successful um, and that people will come and go out of your life, but the true you will remain if you allow it. That it's beautiful. And then the last question we ask is, do you have any book recommendations? And it doesn't have to be other than your own, of course, <laughs> but um, something that's just been inspiring to you along, along your journey on really any topic. Right. Um, you know, honestly, I have to say, because there's, there's a few books that, um, that I, I, I've been reading, um, and I usually don't read, like, um, I guess, just books as just targeted towards just women. But I've learned to just, just read, be, be a diverse in it, um, because you, you just never know how it can help. Um, so like, you know, uh, recently I read Becoming for the first time and I said, wow, how are we all becoming someone new each day? Yeah. Um, so if you haven't read Becoming by um, uh, Michelle Obama, go get Becoming. Um, the second book is called The Shift by uh, Keon Henderson. He's a pastor out here in Houston um, and it speaks about moving courageously um, in life and how life has different shifts and how you have to navigate and have to be prepared for each shift and that, you know, this shift, that's, you know, if you're in one shift, that's not mean you're supposed to take everything in that shift to the next one. You have to prepare to uh, make progress and move on um, through the obstacles of life. So those are some two, there is, there, those are two books that um, I have been reading. Um, and the third book, um, it's more so relationship and love and relationship goals. Um, by Todd, I can think of his last name, um, but Relationship Goals, you can find him anywhere. You just type in Relationship Goals books and it'll come up. Well, thank you so much, Jakari. And we wanted to like make sure that everybody knows if they're interested in reading your book, finding you on the internet, finding the work you do with Families for All, where can they find you? Of course, you can find me at Jakari, J-A-C-A-R-I Harris. Dot com. I'm sure you all will provide information, jakariharris.com. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Jakari Harris. Uh, you can find my nonprofit, Families for All, um, familiesfa.org. Um, you can send me an email at info at jakariharris.com. I would love to hear from you. We can you know, exchange ideas and share your story. You can learn more of my story and just become great friends with each other. So, yeah. Thank you so much. And thanks for joining us again. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Courageous Wellness. Tune in every Wednesday for a new episode featuring a different guest each week. Subscribe, rate, and write us a nice review. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Courageous Wellness or get in touch via our website, www.courageouswellness.net, where you can also find additional info about our health coaching services, virtual group events, newsletter, and more. Until next week, I'm Allie. And I'm Erica, and we're Courageous Wellness.